In improvisational theater, there is an adage that says, make your partner look good. In leadership and business relationships, this means you can make personal interactions a win-win situation for both you and your colleagues. Welcome to Partner Up with Amy Carroll, speaking with guests and listeners like you. Amy uses her wisdom and wit, leading you along the road to success. Now, here is your host, Amy Carroll. Welcome, everyone, to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. As your communication coach, trainer, speaker, and author, I'm delighted also to be your host and excited to bring you insights and ideas to help you solve your communication conundrums. This is the 16th episode of my show, Partner Up with Amy Carroll. If you want to find out more about me and what the show is about, feel free to listen to my previous episodes on my website, carolcoaching.com or the voiceamerica.com business channel. And be sure to download the app or feel free to listen with whatever uh, is your favorite podcast app for listening. If you missed last week's show, I invited a friend of mine on Jens Jens. (laughs) I guess, you know, if he is my friend, I should probably know how to pronounce his name correctly. Jens Fredrickson. He's a former managing director turned coach. And what he learned about over the years, he shared with us the impact of communication on leadership effectiveness. One of Jens's favorite quotes sums it up really well. He says, hard skills will get you into leadership and soft skills will keep you there. Be sure to check out that episode from December 11th. Now today is a live show and that means you can connect with us directly. The number to connect is plus one eight six six. 472-5790. And today, back by popular demand, is my brother, Kevin Carroll. Welcome, Kevin. Good to have you on. Good to be here again, Amy. Thank you so much for the invite. Yeah. Well, we had such a great time. And then we also had ran out of time to tell all the stories. So I figured we'd have to, it was a good reason to have you back on, at least finishing the stories and probably adding a few more. Sure. So, Kevin, um, what have you been up to since we uh, last spoke in September? Uh, well, it's been uh, the game business has been keeping us busy. I talked mm-hmm. about that the last time, and we'll get into that a little bit. Um, yeah. So, so that's been fun and good and uh, enjoyable. It's different with uh, with COVID going on because uh, you know you, we miss the trade shows and being with our retailers face to face. But all is good there. Uh, how about yourself? What's going on in your world? Well, it's true. You mentioned COVID because that has been a, a, a big influence on what I uh, did the last couple months was launch my online leadership course. Oh, cool. Yeah. And this is great because in some ways there's more flexibility. I can reach more people across more time zones. You know, you, you eliminate the issue of travel. And uh, the program's cool because it's designed to be fast paced. And it's really small, like I only have four people per group. So it's Mm -hmm. very intensive for leaders. And what we're focusing on is helping them, like in my face-to-face two-day leadership courses, this is about how to project greater competence, credibility, gravitas. And I don't know if you're noticing this. One of the things that people are saying is how much harder it is to connect virtually with people. Yeah, yeah. And so that's one of the things that we address specifically in the program 
Yeah, right, is how to build rapport and connect instantly with people with a little bit of lightness and joy, which means people are going to be more interested when they know, oh, I got, you know, Amy on the call. This means at least we're going to have some fun together and we're going to connect. So it's already um, an invitation for people. And then the other thing that it's addressing is – I don't know if this is an official term yet, virtual fatigue, mm-hmm. right? Where yeah, well, yeah, whether it is or not, I hear, yeah, I hear and I read different things about that, yeah. And I think one of the problems is we just don't have the bandwidth for listening as we would have when it was face-to-face. So mm-hmm. one of the other skills that this leadership course teaches is to help people communicate more concisely and clearly and get their mes- messaging across faster. Very good. I like. I love the idea that there's only four folks that you're dealing with. I'm. I have not mastered Zoom. I still stumble through it. And when you start to add more and more people, it just becomes that much more difficult. But four seems like a real manageable number that people would get lots of value out of. So that's great. Well, I. The good news is I have gotten some mastery over Zoom. So I do larger groups where I've got twelve uh-huh. or eighteen people. Though I'm putting them in breakouts, so they're getting that small group experience again. Fabulous. So, yeah. Yeah. So. Back to you, Kevin. When you came and talked with me September 18th, um, we covered a bunch of topics. One of the things we talked about was your career going from advertising to consulting to the game business, which you mentioned briefly. Um, some For listeners, one of the things we also talked about was Kevin's imaginary childhood friends, all known as Joe and Joe Balaki. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think there was a Steve in there, too. There was three guys I was always competing against, Joe, Joe Balaki, and Steve. I don't know. It's kind of a little vague, but... <laughs> I thought Steve was real life, no? <laughs> yeah, yeah, see, this is where it becomes difficult for me. Uh, it all starts to blend. <laughs> uh, and I get so frustrated when I lose to these imaginary friends who think yeah, I bet. a way to beat them. <laughs> Along with Kevin's passion for creating games, which eventually led to his current career and very successful career as a game designer... We also talked about the concepts from the predator-prey partner model. And um, I'll talk more about that model in a moment, though, Kevin, I think one of the things that really struck me was this philosophy of yours, which is you can go through life without a wallet. Uh, yeah. And yeah. go ahead. Well, yeah, and I say that only half joking with people because it's when you're mindful and you put these skills to use, and not get hung up on your either old behaviors or your insecurities and all the baggage that we collect along our life and can project yourself outwardly more positively. It, it becomes, I say it's a course in human physics where I had a program that I used to teach called life's a boomerang. What you put out there is destined to come back to you. So I joke with people saying, yeah, you can get through life without a wallet because uh, just good things just automatically happen. Can't, yeah. can't help it. So listeners should tune in to that show because you and I both shared stories where that was literally the case right. and, uh, and, and magic followed. And another philosophy of Kevin's is don't believe everything you think. <laughs> Kevin, this really puts a new twist on the concept of fake news. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, it does. Uh, you know, for me, you know, I'll say to people, okay, fill in the blank. You know, if I'm running a course, I'll say, don't believe everything you, and of course, the people say, here. I go, no, try it again. See, you know, and eventually uh, we get to, don't believe everything you think, because the 
the stories that we tell ourselves based on the limited evidence that we receive in a situation, whether it's a breakdown or, or whatever it may be, is absolutely remarkable. I've, I'm, I've sort of made it a hobby of mine to watch for the misunderstandings and miscommunications that go on in relationships, and they're endless. And, and even when I'm, I'm mindful and looking for them, I probably don't catch most of them anyway because they're misunderstood. You just don't see them. So it's uh, so, and and I think it'll take a lifetime to master. Don't believe everything you think. But if you if people have caution before jumping to conclusions and say, "Well, that's how I perceived everything," that may or may not be the case. Let me collect a little bit more information on it. And what I love about that philosophy is that it's already planting a seed to be conscious of. Oh. This, is, this may not be reality. This is currently how I'm perceiving reality. Right. And it, it just loosens things up that much more to allow people to shift to a space of curiosity. Yeah, I'll jump in. I, and by the way, I believe there is a book out there by that, with that title. Um, Don't, Don't Believe, believe Everything You Think? Yeah, oh. back somewhere along the way, I probably bought it. Maybe that's where I picked up that line. You know, it's funny, I, I forget the details, but couple months ago, my son had a situation happen and somebody reacted to it. And we just talked about, okay, fine. That's how they reacted. And he took it a certain way. They reacted this way because, and he had from his standpoint, why they did. I go, yeah, but let's entertain what other options there could have been. And we probably came up with a half a dozen other feasible scenarios as to why that person did what they did, which were not the aggressive way that perhaps he had, he had interpreted it. So it's well, how did he respond to after that conversation? I, I, I think, I think good. You know, he, he'll take it like most people probably take it with uh, some silence and just kind of acknowledge it. And then I think a few weeks later, I, I heard him play it back to me where I, I said something and he goes, yeah, but what if such and such happened? So mm-hmm. I think he, he digested it and, uh, and tries to do a better job of seeing, seeing things that way too. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Kevin, when I first interviewed you, we talked a lot about your game business and and how it was first developed. And am I right in correctly saying that your philosophy is simple, fast, fun? That is it. All our games, and it started with our our dice game, Tenzi, it's an insanely simple game. I I may have mentioned this last time. I I say that it makes rock, paper, scissors look like a Mensa (laughs) test. Yeah. and and it's and that was so successful that that was our um, that gave us clarity on what our future games were going to be that they had to be all simple, fast, and fun. And the uh, the acid test that I apply if somebody pitches an idea to us or Steve pitches my business partner pitches an idea to us or whomever, if people are not laughing within fifteen seconds and having fun, then okay, I'm not sure this is the right game. So they well, have that's to great. and thirty at the most, but they have to understand how the game is played. And they have to be playing and they have to be laughing. And if not, then there's too much thinking going on. So that's the type Wow. Of- that's, I love the clarity of your, uh, the, the frame you put around it to make sure, you know, does it pass the test or not? Yeah, that, that really does help uh, give, give clarity when, when we look at ideas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if people want to know more about Tenzi, they can listen to the episode on September 18th. Though I'm curious to know, because since that, was first developed was that eight years ago now or um we went national just about eight years ago i think we walked into our first store about 10 years ago just knocking on local stores 
And we met the perfect person on that particular day, and that launched us. But So our first store was 10 years ago, national eight years ago, right? And since then, you've had five yeah. more games you've added to it. So let's talk about those a little bit. There's Slapsy, Itsy, Risky, Itsy, Parasy, and Buildsy. So tell, tell us a little bit more about those. Yeah, well, what we liked about Z, what Tenzi is we like the Z-I at the end because that, to us, just feels fast and simple and fun. So we kind of agreed, okay, every game that we come up with is going to have a Z-I at the end. Um, and Colin, uh, my son, had come up with the idea for Slapsy, which is basically Slapjack. It's, again, so simple, different, um, and it involves picture cards that all family can play and uh, – and it's funny because even when people, when you tell them the name, not, they don't even know anything about it. You go, oh, we have this new game called Slapsy. And they laugh and they, and they pretend they're going to slap you. And they go, what do you do, slap somebody? <laughs> we laugh at that. And go, no, no, it doesn't go that far. So that's Slapsy. And then, uh, and then we came so, up with it's Go ahead. Before we, uh, one of the things I want to say about Slapsy is how visually beautiful it is. And I wonder if that was not by chance. My sense is no, that you. No, it was not by chance. Yeah. In fact, that's what's helped it be our probably second most popular game because it's pictures and they're beautiful. You know, it's all stock photos that we got and we bought them for in perpetuity worldwide so that we can uh, take this game. And it is in about a half a dozen other countries now. Uh, it's just, uh, they're just simple photos of interesting objects and people kind of respond to it uh, that way. Yeah. And then like Tenzi, do you also have multiple different ways you can play Slapsy other than the, the intended purpose of the game? Uh, yeah, uh, you do. There's a couple other variations on it. I think people pretty much in that particular game stick with the basic way. Or, you know, every now and then we get emails where people say, oh, you know what we've done? Uh, and sometimes with really young kids, they don't even do the rules. They just use the, the picture cards and create a different type of game. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's what I like it cool. when people come up with their own rules and suggest to us, hey, have you ever tried it that way? Yeah. And one thing I have to say, going back to Tenzi again, which I also find extraordinary is, you also have a in a company deck of cards for 77 additional ways that people can play Tenzi. Yes, yes, we do. <laughs> and they're, you know, let me use the word stupid. Some of them you would accuse of being stupid, and we'd probably say, yeah, you're right, that is a stupid version, but people laugh. Like, for example, one of the ways I think is called Farmsy, where every time you roll the dice, you have to let out the sound of your favorite farmyard animal. And who doesn't have a favorite farmyard animal? So, uh, so it's just goofy, silly fun. Yeah. Okay. So now, um, after Slapsy, the next game was Itsy. Now, okay. Itsy is an interesting story because even before Tenzi, I had this concept of dealing. It's an old parlor, what they call a parlor game, where you you flash two letters and you have to come up with the name of a famous person with it. So, I could, the letters might be D R, and I'd say Diana Ross. I'd be the first one to come up with a famous person. So. Um, Oh, and then we had person, place, or thing. And for years, I've had this concept, and I've always felt that there's something there, but it could never, we never got to simple, fast, fun. There was too much, you'd flash two letters at somebody, and then and they'd be quiet, and they'd think, and it, it just didn't have the quick tempo. So, uh, or dear, dear sister Sheila was visiting one time, and I played Itsy, well, before it was actually called Itsy, this game with two, two letter cards. And I said, so see, it's a good game, but it's just not as simple as Slapsy or simple as Tenzi. And Sheila, and this is, a, you know, the, Sheila, the Sheila's brilliance and also the brilliance of having somebody with an, a different perspective come in and look at a situation. She said, well, why do two letters? What if you just had one letter? I go, well, what do you mean? She goes, well, well, just for example, and then you could have a lot of different categories. So rather than person, place, or thing, you could have, it's a girl's name. It's the name of a country. It's a spice or whatever it may be. 
So as soon as she said that, we started to play a version of it, and it had it. It had instant fun. So it plays just like Slapsy, where, where, uh, but rather than picture cards that you're slapping down, you're slapping down letters. Um, and so that's Itzy. And then, and, yeah. and so listening to what you said earlier about simple, fast, fun, the two-letter that was too much work. It, people weren't laughing within ten seconds. I'm guessing because they're right. working harder. And now right. with the one, that's so much right. more. Um, right. Not, uh, not applicable is not the word, um, attainable. Right, right. In fact, Steve, and Steve did kind of a, an, a, did some reading and research on it, and he found something along the way where he said that in people's minds, and I can't do a good job of, of, of explaining the details of it, but that people can react in a, in a very instinctive way, and then after that, it shifts to a different part of the brain, and they have to go into processing. So, so that ITSI, the first version, was there was processing going on. And once you went to one letter, it just just became so instinctive. So again, it it met our our model. So that was Itzy. And then after Itzy, uh, after Itzy, uh, my dear son Colin said, "Dad, you need to have an adult version of, of <laughs> one of your games." And I didn't want to do it with Slapsy. I didn't want to do an adult version with picture cards. So I thought, well, maybe we could do Itzy. And uh, my gosh, I've never had so much fun than creating the, the two hundred clues for for Itzy, um, for risky Itzy rather, and. Uh, and I've played it with people. And, and your answers don't have to be, you know, rated R. They can be simple answers. For example, one question was, it's a great place to put whipped cream. And somebody answered, refrigerator. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's a good answer. That's a good answer, yeah. So Risky Hitsy is an awful lot of fun. Uh, we don't sell as many of those because the stores that we're in are the all-family mom-and-pop <laughs> toy stores. Uh, but, but it's funny, the stores may say, well, we can't sell here, but please do send me a couple because I'd love to play it. <laughs> So that's risky, and that's great. And then Parzy. Oh, then Parzy. Yeah, Parzy came out of an idea of uh, an old client of mine had shared a story once. She said, "Oh, Kevin, you wish you would have come up with this game." I go, "Well, what's that?" And she explained this simple little math game that her son played in in school. He was in sixth grade or something like that. And I loved uh, how she explained it, and that it was just it was simple, it was fast, it was fun, and it involved basically a pad of paper and a pencil, and a die. You know, one dice, uh, one die. And, uh, and I said, well, it hasn't been invented yet. She goes, well, what do you mean? I said, well, that's just kind of a, a parlor game, a school game that you're playing. It just needs to be, you know, we have to create a concept. So I mentioned it a couple months later, I mentioned it to Steve. We were driving down to a trade show in Atlantic City. <clears throat> and I said, so here's this game. And he liked it immediately. And he said, yeah, but we can't, you know, we have to brand it and create it. So within probably one hour, we came up with this, what was this simple math game played in schools to Parzy, a speed matching game involving dice and so it but it still played the same way as that game did so we introduced parasy parasy is probably the, the game that we um came up with. it was the fastest turnaround from concept to getting out in the market mm-hmm. <laughs> pardon me so that's parasy and then uh last but hardly not least is our newest game which is buildsy like the word build yeah and, uh, i say hardly not least because it's uh, we've had it we introduced it six months ago and it's selling like big time and it was really? an idea that yeah, my, my son Colin, well, your nephew, your dear nephew, uh, came up with the idea four years ago. I know, I knew he came up with Slapsy. I hadn't realized he'd also come up with Buildsy. Yeah, I guess maybe because it had been so long ago that <laughs> I had stopped telling that story to people. Yeah, my son came up with it. So, but he's quick to remind me. And, uh, and he benefits from the fact that he came up with the idea. So that was great because he said, you know, when people, when kids, when people play with blocks, it's usually slow and deliberate. Why don't we apply kind of your formula of simple, fast, fun to blocks? So it became a speed building game. And uh-huh. through working with our business partner, Steve, and lots of iterations and tweaking and changing it and doing it, 
um, we, we, we feel like we hit a home run uh, with that one and it's great fun. So, and now we're working on perhaps uh, working on 77 ways to play Buildsy too. So, <laughs> so we've had, but thanks oh for asking. It's yeah, well, I'm, I know. I think the listeners enjoy hearing all the creativity that goes behind that. Um, and I have to share something with you. I just got um, a text two days uh-huh. ago from a friend of mine. Now, this is a friend, Manuela, who lives here in Switzerland, except she flew back uh, to be with her family in the U.S. And she sent me this text on Wednesday. She said, Amy, I walked into a store to buy some stocking stuffers you know, little games and toys for my girls. And there was a young woman vacuuming. I don't know what the vacuuming part has to do with though. She mentions that (laughs) as the story is about to close. And I asked her if she knew of any games that would be fun for 10 year olds. Out of the blue, she showed me Tenzi. And she said, it was really fun. And I said, and and I was like, hmm, that sounds really familiar. She said, I could hear Amy's voice in my head saying Tenzi, laughing out loud. I told the young lady, you know, I think it's the game my friend's brother invented. And we checked. She was thrilled as it was uh, as to know the history behind it. So uh-huh. I bought it for my girls and we're going to play it at Christmas. Oh, yeah. You know, it's funny. I, we love hearing stories like that where we get emails from from folks showing us they stumbled into a store somewhere and they saw it. I was on a flight a few years ago and chatting. This is when people sat next to each other on planes <laughs> and actually talked with each other. And uh, I was chatting with a woman, and she said, so what are you doing? I said, oh, I invent games and blah, blah, blah. And she goes, oh, like, I said, oh, I, I, a friend of that and I invented a dice game. And she said, not Tenzi. And I said, actually, it was Tenzi. So that was fun. When, when Wow. Yeah. So That's kind of wild. That's a home yeah, run. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, Did she make you prove it? <laughs> uh, oh, I, I probably had a game in my bag that I gave to her, yeah, so. I always bring them along as calling cards. Uh, and you, I would like to say it this way. I've heard you tell stories where you're using Tenzi for the greater good in the world. Um, I'd love for you to share some of those examples, those stories. Yeah, I mean, I wish I was as magnanimous as you're, you're making it out to be. Um, <laughs> I think they just sort of happen naturally, which is great fun. I mean, yeah, we give away games to kids in need, you know, and, and probably can even do more of that. But one particular story, somebody sent us a videotape of a, there was a school in Canada, I think it was a private school in Canada, uh, you know, an elementary school, and they were playing, they were playing Tenzi over Skype with an orphanage in Uganda. Wow. So this video, in fact, I think it's even on YouTube if you put in uh, Uganda Tenzi or something like that. Uh Um, And and so it was pretty cool that I think the school had adopted the orphanage in a way and sent them the games and they were using technology to play together. So that was a, we got a great kick out of, out of that. That's and then we awesome. hear different, yeah, we hear different stories. In fact, we got an email last week from a, a grandmother saying, you know, I play Tenzi with my, she's in Florida and I think the kids are maybe in Massachusetts, her grandchildren are in Massachusetts. And she plays Tenzi over Zoom with them. And she said, it's really made this COVID time very bearable and we have great fun, we play every week. <laughs> Uh, so with that nice email, we sent her a bill to so she could continue the fun. With oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, so it's, that's good. And um, you told me that some time ago you guys ran, and this was back in the days when uh, people were um, face-to-face with each other. You, it was some fundraiser, and you... Oh, yeah. yeah the, the, uh, 
the Indianapolis Parks Foundation reached out to us and said, hey, we're having our annual fundraiser. Would you guys be willing to come out? We're going to have 650 people in our audience. It's our, you know, it's our spring luncheon, and it's a, we're doing it as a fundraiser. Would you be willing to come out and, and play the world's largest Tenzi game? Because she, her, this particular woman, was a, a fan of Tenzi. So I thought, well, that's rather daunting. How do you? And she goes, oh, and you have, by the way, you have 10 minutes. So I was like, oh, wow, I've got 650 people that I have to explain the game to, and they have to play it, and we've got to create fun. But through thinking it through and having played it enough, uh, we came up with a solution where uh, I pretty much kicked off the, their luncheon banquet, and everybody had 10 dice in a little satchel in front of them. I briefly explained the history of the game and how to play it, and then we all started playing. And again, if, you, if your listeners go on, uh, put the world's largest Tenzi game onto YouTube, they'll see it because okay. it is a hoot. And you have, you have 650 people in suits screaming and yelling and jumping out of their chair playing <laughs> screaming Tenzi. So mission accomplished. <laughs> oh, my God. That is a great story. So um, this, Kevin, what I want to do now um, is to pick up where we left off on the, during the last interview. Mm-hmm. And that was where we shared moments of true success and disaster stories, which we hope listeners would ins- find inspiring. And so I want to take, take it from there. And I'm also particularly interested because of the holiday season coming up, we've got um, Christmas kicking off or it's happening next Friday. And so we're, I want to, people to be able to listen from that lens of how to apply some of these concepts, the both behaviors and the mindset to be able to help them ease their way through the holiday time mm-hmm. and, and have some joy and fun and, and play and laughter like Tenzi so often brings for people. And before we do that, I want to give a quick reminder of people to, for the, Um, model that is the foundation of what we're going to be talking about, which is the predator-prey partner model that I mentioned earlier, developed by our sister, Pat Kirkland. So the model is three archetypes, the predator showing too much respect for herself or himself, the prey showing too little respect for themselves. So the predator will trigger people to feel intimidated or ticked off, damaging relationships. The prey can be trigger other people to mistreat them. Either way, neither is sustainable. And then we've got the sweet spot spot of partner where we're holding high respect for ourselves and for the other. And this is both in the behaviors and the mindset. So um, that's, we're going with that in mind. Now, um, when we come back from break, we're going to um, share some of those stories and If you want to call in during the break, feel free to do so. That number is going to, for you can reach us, is 1-866-472-5790. And if you want to connect with Kevin, you can find him on his website, kevincarroll.com. That's two R's and two L's. Or tenzi.com, and that's T-E-N-Z-I.com. Last time I spelled it, I added an E, so I'm I'm very proud of myself. I'm learning from my Thank you. Thank you very much. So you're listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll on the Voice America Business Channel. Join us shortly. We'll be back in a flash. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
Do you have colleagues, family members, or neighbors that just drive you crazy sometimes? Do you occasionally find yourself feeling disrespected, mistreated, or annoyed by others? As a no-nonsense communication coach, trainer, speaker, and author, Amy Carroll may have a solution for you. For over 35 years, Amy has studied status and power dynamics, what sabotages relationships, results, and how to get desired outcomes in business and personal interactions. Make Your Partner Look Good is a philosophy from improvisational theater, as well as Amy's favorite mantra. For the last 20 years, she has been using her superhero powers to inspire individuals and multinationals around the globe to transform their communication and tap into their own partner powers. With concrete behavior changes in voice, body language, words, and attitude, Amy shows clients what to keep and what to change to get more out of what you want more often with less hassle. Visit carolcoaching.com today. That's C-A-R-R-O-L-L coaching.com. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K., on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. It's time to future-proof your business. Join host Bonnie D. Graham for the Kinetic Enterprise, built to evolve. Presented by Deloitte, SAP solutions help you transform your business. And we'll start by going in-depth with topics and guests built around the four pillars of the Kinetic Enterprise. Clean, intelligent, inclusive, and responsive. Move in to the next level with the Kinetic Enterprise, presented by Deloitte, live every Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. We want participation from you. Call into the program today with questions or comments or your own interpersonal communication dilemmas to share. The toll-free number in North America is 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to Amy at carolcoaching.com. Now, back to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Here again is Amy. Okay, welcome back, everyone. I'm still working out the kinks for the live show. Hey, um, what Kevin and I were talking all about his game business before the break, and now we're going to jump into the partner mindset, the partner behaviors. Kevin, you and I were talking recently about this book, Getting Past No. Tell me more about that book. Sure. Uh, you know, when I was developing my program uh, called Life's a Boomerang a number of years ago, I, 
stumbled upon a book. In fact, I have it here and we're on Zoom, so you can see it, Amy. But it's called Getting Past No. Yeah. And the author is uh, William Urey, U-R-Y. And the subhead explains what the book's about, negotiating your way from confrontation to cooperation. Mm-hmm. So what I do, Aim, if it's okay, let me read a few quotes from it because I think this is the the essence of the book. No, Go so I'm it. going to wrap up this book in just a few quotes. However, to order in order to live by these things that I'm going to share, it really is a lifetime of work because they're so powerful and and counter um, counterintuitive. So uh, the great home run hitter. When I'm running a class, I'll say, does anybody know who Sabahara O oh is? And some baseball fans will say, yeah, he was a Japanese home run king. Some, so way back when. So the great home run hitter, Sabahara O, oh, the Japanese equivalent of Babe Ruth, once explained his batting secret. O oh said that he looked on the opposing pitcher as his partner, who with every pitch was serving up an opportunity for him to hit a home run. Breakthrough negotiators, and I would say breakthrough parents and co-workers and siblings and all that, breakthrough negotiators do the same. They treat their opponents as negotiating partners who are presenting an opportunity to reach a mutually satisfactory agreement. Well, that sounds, you know, it's a heady idea like, oh, okay, I guess I kind of get it. So this will go a little further with it to, to make it clearer. To create, and, and his whole notion is you have to do joint problem solving. So rather, let's say you and I are in a tug of war about something, Amy, and you're pulling and I'm pulling and we, we all want this thing. And his whole philosophy is, no, no, no. You need to stop where you're at and go over to the other person's side and see the world through their lens because that will give you a different perspective. So he says to create the right climate for joint problem solving, and that's the essence of what we're talking about, joint problem solving. Not me versus you, but you and I against the problem. So to create the right climate for joint problem solving, you need to diffuse their negative emotions, the other person's negative emotions. To do this, you need to do the opposite of what they expect. They expect you to behave like an adversary. Instead, you should take their side by listening to them, acknowledging their points and their feelings, agreeing with them, and showing them respect. If you want to sit side by side facing the problem, you will need to step over to their side. A lot of times people, people will take a program and say, yeah, they need to come over and see it from my perspective. Right. I'm like, no, 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 no. Yeah, wouldn't that be nice? But that's not what we're talking about. You need to, you yeah. need to make the move. Yeah, you're the and one then, taking this class. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, the, last, <clears throat> the last line I'll give you here, two sentences. Pardon me. <clears throat> the, single, the single most important skill in negotiation is the ability to put yourself in the other side's shoes. If you are trying to change their thinking, you need to begin by understanding what their thinking is. So too often we don't, we don't know what their thinking is. We know that they want A and we want B and we think that's where it ends. No, 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 that's just the very beginning. You need to step over to their side, ask, understand, see things from their perspective to understand their motivations and then you now have a place where you can work with. Because one thing is you might say, oh my gosh, I had no idea. Here you go. <laughs> because now you're learning something new. Or, ah, so that's what you're looking for. Well, I can help you accomplish that. If I can do this over here, you, I can help you over there. And oftentimes that's the breakthrough. But too, too often we get stuck on the problem between us. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for taking the time to read that. And something 
that maybe some listeners might get caught up on is when you said in the quote, you have to agree with them. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that's not as hard to do as we think. Right. And we're, we're saying, and tell me if you agree with this, being authentic to yourself, if something is something you, if it's something you totally don't agree with, okay, that's fine. Though the point is there's many things we can probably easily get behind and agree with someone's point of view. So that's what that is meant is really just give yourself and them the opportunity for you to hear them out, to see what it is you, the things that you can agree on. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Because people do stumble on that. And I say, no, that doesn't mean you have to roll over and just give them that thing. It's no, understand the world through their perspective and see and try to understand the things you can agree on. That's what that says. So you're right. Yeah. And I think you, I remember you telling me you had some story about the Bronx Zoo to illustrate this? Yeah. Um, so, so years ago, I was on, let's see, I was online at the Bronx Zoo. And, um, and there's an exhibit called The World of Darkness. It's, it's where the nocturnal animals are. So when you walk in there, it is pitch black in there. And the Bronx Zoo had a problem. And that was that when kids would get in there, they would run around screaming and yelling and carrying on because that's what young kids want to do. <laughs> so, uh, so the Bronx Zoo gets together and they put out a sign so right before you walk into this particular exhibit, it says, please do not, something to this effect, please do not run or scream while in the world of darkness. Good luck. Or you will, or you will frighten the animals. Ah. So I'll say to people, so let's understand that piece of communication. What do you like about it? What's good? And they'll say, oh, it's short. It's polite. It explains the, the cause, you know, that uh, if you do this, this will happen. So on the surface, it seems like that's a very good sign. And it's placed right before you walk in. So it's at the right time. I said, but guess what? It wasn't working. In fact, one time I was telling this story and there was somebody from the Bronx Zoo in my class. And they said, you're right. That sign wasn't working. (laughs) Because what had happened is they had to add a second sign. Because when you realize it, that sign was created based on the Bronx Zoo's perspective. The Bronx Zoo's saying, please do not run or scream. Okay, in the world of darkness, right? That's what they want because you will frighten the animals. So the Bronx Zoo does not want that. They don't want the animals to be frightened. Maybe animals are in distress and, and then that causes all sorts of problems for the Bronx Zoo. But from, the, from a kid's perspective, oh, how cool would that be to frighten the animals? I mean, you're, you're perhaps doing the opposite. So the second sign that was added was, if you frighten the animals, they will hide and you will not be able to see them. Bing, 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 bing. <laughs> and that's stuff that the Bronx Zoo couldn't see in the beginning because they just, but, but, but when understanding and breaking down communication, say, well, why isn't this working? A lot of times we're not, because we're not seeing it from the other person's perspective, we're not getting to what, what is the, what's really important to them. Well, they don't want to wait online for 40 minutes and not see the animals. So yeah. that's now going to motivate them. So that's, so there's opportunities in many different ways to, to, to see things from the other person's perspective. Yeah, that's, um, that's such a great illustration of getting other people to uh, help you achieve your goal, yeah. finding the motivation for them. Yeah, I, I don't know, Amy, if I ever told you this story about when I did a conflict role play, if you want, I can share that. When, when I used to do training yeah. for the U.S. Postal Service. Mm-hmm. Way back when, when they had this thing called going postal, which right. was a violent, these violent experiences that uh, the underlings in the post office were, you know, revolting. And, and there was, it was violent uh, because they were revolting on the pressure that was put on them. So one of the things we had to talk about was conflict resolution. 
And rather than simply put up some charts and talk about it, we, we brought in some theater. So what would happen is before the class even began, and I was working with the postal service supervisors, the people who had the power in the organization. And before the class would even start, I'd, to your model, predator PAPS model, predator prey partner, I'd kind of sniff out, all right, who's a predator here? I, wanna, I, I need to draft somebody, unbeknownst to everybody else, that could do a role play. And I got to tell you, my hit rate was 99%. It didn't take <laughs> me at, at all to just, just glance at somebody and go, okay, there's a predator right there. <laughs> So I'd go up to this person privately and I'd say, hey, would you be willing to have a conflict with me in the class? Nobody will know about it. It's just you and me. We're going to do a little role play and have a conflict. Well, well, you could actually see their fangs start to <laughs> listen. They go, oh, yeah, I'd love to do that. Well, yeah, well, bingo, I got myself a predator. So I said, here's what's going to happen. About an hour and a half into the class, um, you know, I'm going to be playing some games and exercises and all that stuff. But uh, we're going to take a break. And I'll say, before we, uh, before we have a break, does anybody have any comments or questions? I'd like you to jump in and say, yeah, I've been here for an hour and a half and all you're doing is playing, playing games. I want you to come in with an attitude and say that. And, and I'll say, and then I will come back at you and I'll defend myself and say, yeah, so just be prepared. I will defend myself and then I want you to talk over me and then I'll talk over you and we're going to poison this room in a, in a matter of just seconds. So we get into the class. Everything's going along pretty darn smoothly. It's about an hour and a half. I go, okay, we're going to take a break. Any comments, questions before we, before we take a break? And of course, this person who's been just dying for this moment goes, yeah, I'd like to make a comment. I've been here for an hour and a half. And they play it perfectly. I've been here for an hour and a half and all you're doing is playing games. And then I defend myself. And I go, well, let me tell you why I'm playing the games. There's a reason for that. And that's because, and then they cut me off. And oh my gosh, you know, you, you, there's any number of reactions. Sometimes people leave because they can't handle it. Some people dive under their desk. Some people jump in and start to defend that person. I go, wait a minute, you're not in the role play. Hold on a second. Um, so... So we do this role play for a couple seconds, and then I, it's only 15 seconds, but it feels like probably 15 minutes to everybody in the group. Then I say, okay, stop. This was a role play. I go over, I shake the person's hand, and everybody has this awkward laugh. And then I go, so what did you see? And it's fascinating because a number of people would say, well, he attacked you, and good for you. You, you, know, you weren't going to take it, and you pushed back. And then he, you know, he pushed back on you, and you guys were getting into it. I go, okay, yeah, right. That's what happened, right, right, right. And then every now and then, the, the wiser ones would say, well, I don't think you really handled that the way you could have. I said, well, guess what? You're right. So then, unbeknownst to the role play person, I say, I'd like you to attack me again. Same thing. Do the same exact thing. And I'm just going to take a different tack. So the second time they attack me, they go, you know, I've been here for an hour and a half, and all you're doing is playing games. This time, I do. I call it outside Kevin and inside Kevin. <laughs> Outside Kevin Joe and, and, and Steve and Joe Bellotti. Right. Inside Kevin is still that person that you saw the first time who wants to fight back and get in your face and defend himself. But guess what? Ke inside Kevin will lose. The, will lose. So outside Kevin, this persona, has to zip it. So actually what I do is when they attack me the second time, I don't say anything. I just look at them and I nod. And I'm trying to listen to them. And I tell the group that inside I'm boiling. I'm going crazy. I, emotionally, I'm, all, I'm upset. I, I feel rip-roaring mad. I, I listen to them and then I sometimes I'll grab a chair and just kind of sit down and 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 try to understand where they're coming from and remarkably and this is why I say it's like human physics the person will r raise their hands go I can't fight you exactly because it's physics and I'm not I'm not rolling over and becoming a wimp because I'm not apologizing or I'm not running away I'm looking them right in the eye I'm trying to understand where they're coming from I'll agree with them where I'll say yeah I understand maybe there's a couple game too many games and if you folks, if there's certain people that don't like the games during break, why don't you talk to me about it? So, um, so I've done that. 
I did that a number of times. That role play, it was a, it was a showstopper. It was live theater and because people have seen it so often in their life. Um, and then to see somebody play it differently. So if I can continue one time, years after many years of doing this, I am doing a speech at a construction um, site, pretty much, at a, at a facility where there's construction workers. It's the end of the day. I'm going to speak for 45 minutes. And I asked them, will there be any drinking? And they said, yeah, well, maybe some of the guys might have a beer. It's at the end of the day. I go, oh, okay, just make a note of that. So I'm doing my Life's a Boomerang program. And somebody sort of interrupts me in the middle of it and says something. I go, ah, I think we have a predator on our hands. Was, you know, so with, kind of, with who has been having a couple of beers at the Yes, time. yes, who has had a beer or two. <laughs> oh, and, boy. Um, and so we kind of just let that go. And then I did some sort of exercise. And I probably should have left well enough alone, but I, I wanted to engage this person. I said, so... Uh, Bob, whatever his name is. So, Bob, what do you what do you think of that? Well, Bob now takes over. Bob stands up with his beer in hand, goes, "Well, let me tell you something. If that happened on site, here's what I." And he starts talking over me and talking loud and getting kind of aggressive, and the audience is starting to murmur. So I'm saying to myself, "Oh my gosh, this is the role play, but it's not a role play." Now, wait a minute. What do you do? What are you doing? I go, oh, right. You do the opposite of what you want to do. So here's what I did. As the audience started to murmur, I just said to the audience, hey, everybody quiet down. Let's, let's hear what Bob has to say. And that's where inside and outside Kevin go, because inside Kevin wants Bob to leave and, and wants to throw something at Bob. But outside Kevin has to manage it. So I tell the audience, hey, everybody settle down. Let's hear what Bob has to say, which is the first indication to Bob. Oh, this guy, Kevin, may be on my side. So then he goes on for another, whatever, 20 seconds or so about something. And he said something that had a little redeeming quality. So I just started to clap to, like, because he said, so I go, you know, that's a good point, Bob, what you made at the end there. So I clap and everybody, of course, uh, starts clapping. And then Bob just kind of smiles and sits down. Well, at the end of it, the client came up to me, the guy who hired me and said, that was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And I said, hey, nobody's more surprised than me. <laughs> Because that's just not how I often operate. But because I had yeah. to practice the other things so often, right. I realized that I had to manage it. And in fact, the guy Bob came up to me also and he said, hey, you know what? If you're in the neighborhood, you should stop by. We'll go out and we'll have a beer sometime. And I'm, I'm nodding yes, but inside, inside I'm saying no, no, this is not going to happen. So it's, it's really, it's pretty remarkable when you can apply these and have your wits about you, the power yeah. that you come, comes with it. You know, as I was listening to you, Kevin, I realize I do something similar in all of my workshops. I, I don't do it um, hidden. I love the way you do it, you know, kind of take people by surprise. I ask someone who's willing to, you know, whoever, first I ask everyone, raise your hand if you've ever been verbally aggressed in your personal life or professional life. Mm -hmm. Inevitably, 95% of the hands go up, sometimes 100%. Sure. And I say, so would you find it useful to see how to neutralize a verbal aggressor? And they all say, oh, yeah. And I say, mm -hmm. okay, here's the bad news. I need someone to be brave and yell at me. <laughs> and mm -hmm. sometimes even the predators don't want to do it. They're even like, uh, and, yeah. And yeah. I usually have to ask, okay, I, let me show you how aggressive I want you to be. So I demonstrate it and I'm like really hostile. I said, you know, can you do that? And I said, and a lot of times they say yes. And then they come at me with half speed. I'm like, no, no, no. And I know, yep, yep. 10 yep. times harder than that. Really yep. nasty. Yep. So after I coach them, they're ready. And they get in my face and they're screaming. And I do explain this is verbal aggression only, not physical. And they, and, it, and I do the same thing that you described. I keep eye contact. I keep my body really still. I extend mm -hmm. my hand. I call this the peace offering. Right. I do not attempt to speak over them. 
Mm-hmm. I let them, you know, just spin themselves down. Right. And then once they're done, very, very short summary of what the, what I've heard them say. Either they're accusing me of something or yet. So it sounds like I really screwed up here. Mm-hmm. How can I fix it? Yeah. So it's, you know, very bullet point and talk about learning how to speak concisely. Yeah. <laughs> and inevitably, person after person after person, they say, I can't maintain the aggression. Right. And the trick is because, like you said earlier, you read it from the book, they're expecting a certain reaction. When they don't get it, their brain is confused. And right after confusion, their brain says, I'm going to look really stupid in a minute if I keep misbehaving. Right. So they motivate themselves to recalibrate their own behavior. Yeah. Kevin, this has been such a, um, a success for people to have that, in, that insight. I've now made a video. So okay. people can go to my website, carolcoaching.com, and go to the video section and find the very short video on neutralizing a verbal aggressor. Because like you pointed out, Kevin, you, you see it once, you're not, you're, DNA won't allow you to do that successfully. It's do it's the repetition right. over and over and right. over and over again. And I explain right. that in the video of what you want to practice so that you create muscle memory and you're able to do it in the moment. Yeah, I, and I don't know if you recommend this, Amy, but but that muscle memory, I almost get a, a friend or a, a significant other say, okay, well, let's do a little play acting. I want you to attack me on something just yeah. so they can go kind of go through the experience because it, it's, that's different than just kind of processing. Oh yeah. Next time that happens. No, no, no. Yeah, nope. You're yeah. right. <laughs> and the irony is even when it's a silly role play, you'll right. still have a physiological reaction to Absolutely. have to manage. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Very cool. So um, let's see. Oh, you told me there was something about a popcorn story. Ah, the popcorn story. In fact, it was a class that uh, our dear sister Pat and I were teaching many years ago at a high-tech company in California. And uh, it was a two-day program. And the first day was so much of it was about what you give is what you get. And you can change the, the, the reaction you get if you change your behaviors and blah, 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 blah. And we were getting a fair amount. And this was with, with these high-tech customer service folks that for example, they answer the phone when somebody's system is down, and let's say Merrill Lynch's system is down, and they're fuming, and they call this a customer service rep, and this customer service rep has to handle it. So we were trying to teach them about what's as important as the technology is how you handle that caller. So we were getting a fair amount of resistance, yeah, but, 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 but. So um, on, day, on day number two, one of the guys that was giving us some reason, this engineer, high-priced, talented, smart person, walked in and he said kind of sheepishly, uh, you know, you guys are right. And we try not to smile at that point. I go, oh, oh what, do you, what do you mean we're right? He said, well, I want to tell you what happened last night. So he said, I took my two boys to the, to the theater, right, to the movie theater. And because popcorn is like $19 a bag, he said, I bought <laughs> one bag of popcorn rather than two. I bought one bag and I sat between my two boys and let them share the popcorn. He said, well, this wasn't working out well. The popcorn was going all over and one was hogging it. So I walked down to the lobby and I said to the guy behind the, the counter, hey, can I get an, an, empty, an empty bag uh, for popcorn? And the guy said to me, oh, no, I'm sorry, I, I can't do that. Um, and he said, that is the moment that normally I would have been tricked off. And I would have said, are you kidding me? You can't, I just spent 19, I, I bought these, he said, I would have lost it on this guy because there he is, he won't even give me a freaking empty bag. 
And he said, but all day you've been talking about you can get a different outcome if you change some behaviors. So he said, I just stayed there. I kind of listened to him. And I said, uh, well, and whatever the guy's name is, Pete. And I said, well, because he had a name tag on. I, he said, well, Pete, what do you, uh, let me explain the situation. I got my two boys and, and we're trying to split it, but it's not working out too well. And he said, well, sir, I'm so sorry. I'd like to give it to you, but I, I just can't give you an empty bag. And then he said, well, Pete, what do you think you can do? What could we do? And then the guy, Pete, behind the counter kind of looks over his shoulder you know, to see if his supervisor's around. And then he slips this guy, the, the engineer, he slips him the empty bag. And, he, and, and the engineer said, I'm walking away. I'm like, damn, I, you know, normally I would have walked away without the bag and really ticked off. This time I walked away with the bag and, with the, and, and feeling empowered. And, and so that was the story he shared with us. And that, again, I keep saying it's like human physics. But, but it, when you break that down and you analyze, you go, well, the engineer did have to pay a price to get that bag. It didn't come free. It did in yeah. one sense, but it didn't come free. And that's when it has to do with it. He had to manage his outward behaviors by using the person's name, not yelling, and, and his, and his, and his in, internal behaviors like his ego management. So there's a lot that that engineer had to rework in order to get a different outcome. Yeah. That's fantastic. Kevin, once again, we have run out of time and we haven't gone through nearly half the stories we wanted to cover. Yeah. Um, so you know what this means, right? I do. All right. Yeah. So, so what does it mean? <laughs> We're coming back? <laughs> it means you're coming back in 2021. Oh, okay. Good. So um, as we wrap up, I, Kevin, I know you have one call for action for listeners. And I think that was um, something coming from the, the problem solving. Right. So, uh, no, uh, well, and it goes back to that book that if we look at the other people that we're struggling with as our problem solving partner, then that's, that's your way in rather than I'm against that person. No, no, no. We, I need to get over to their side and work on the problem with them. Great. And for me, my call for action for listeners is to send me your communication conundrums, clashes, challenges, mishaps, blunders, and successes. You can do that either, either via email or social media. And I will be delighted to receive them. I'll read them and discuss them on future shows and even make suggestions. You can reach me at amy at carolcoaching.com. That's two R's and two L's. You can reach out to Kevin on his website, Carol Co kevincarol.com. That's two R's, two L's. Or Tenzi, T-E-N-Z-I for the Europeans in the in the in the listening world. Feel free to connect with me on any of my social media channels. That's Amy Carroll Coaching. And if you're ready to take your superhero partner powers to the next decade, join me for my online leadership course. You can check it out on my website. Now, next week is Christmas Day. So if you're looking for a little bit of extra inspiration, be sure to tune in to the popular replay of the interview I did with the founder of the Predator Prey Partner Model and Recovering Prey, Pat Kirkland. Kevin, thank you. It's been a wonderful conversation. Always fun, Amy. Thanks so much. And thank you, listeners. You've been listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll on the Voice America Business Channel. And a big shout out, thank you to Aaron and everyone else on the Voice America team for making this first couple of months a big success. Happy partnering to you all this holiday season. Thank you for tuning in to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Join Amy for another edition next Friday at 7 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we speak again, make it a great week. And remember, 
Make your partner look good. 